Welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, hosted live on Twitch every Tuesday night. Now, here's your hosts, Cutler and Soul! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roll Down, a Teamfight Tactics podcast. We aren't screwing around on this episode. And you know why we're not screwing around on this episode? Because we have, well, I'll get there. We have my wonderful co-host, Sol, who joins me. As always, every week, Sol, welcome to the episode. To be here as always. Guys, we're going to come to my very special friend, Drowsy, in just a moment. And that moment is right now. Drowsy Sword, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Our very first return guest. Yes, sir. Good to be back. Good to be back. It is an absolute pleasure to have you. And guys, I mean, some say I would have left the best for last. Some say this man has been a pillar of the gaming community for two decades almost. Uh, Some would say... Wow. Two decades. That he has been less than two decades and I have no (laughs) idea how old he is. Over one decade, (laughs) but much less than two decades. Probably over one decade. <laughs> it's maybe. over one decade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And maybe I thought he might be a little bit older than he is, and that's because maybe. we have a man who we have been watching since we were in high school, and that is Doa. Doa, welcome to the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. Uh, I'm glad I could make it before they put me in a retirement home. Well, they do say that we're the retirement home of podcasts, um, and that we will get onto as a reason. But guys, the Roll Down podcast, what we do here is we like to showcase Oceanic Southeast Asian talent, specifically when it comes to teamfight tactics, for streaming, for events. But we're not going to talk about a lot of that today because there is a new set on the horizon. If you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, the set's already out. 6.5 is already here. We're a little bit late mm-hmm. on the preview. But we are ready and we're going to preview everything 6.5. Everything. All the new units. All the new synergies. What we like. What we're going to play on ladder. Tournaments coming up. Everything like that. But first thing is first. We have an international guest. Our very first international guest. And it's very important that we hear a little bit about them first for, I mean, I don't think there'll be anybody out there listening who doesn't know Doa, but Doa, if you don't mind um, for those of us or for those people who may be listening, who aren't aware about your background, would you mind filling us in a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah. I've, I've uh, casted for 11 years is the exact number. Um, I got started in 2010 for fun. And then 2011 uh, professionally lived in Korea for six years did StarCraft II, League of Legends, Hearthstone, Overwatch, other games from time to time. Uh, a lot of teamfight tactics lately. Um, but yeah, just been casting for a long time and been uh, trying to get more involved in the behind-the-scenes stuff with esports as time goes on and been working more on the collegiate and high school side in the last couple of years since things have kind of moved all online and all that. Um, but yeah, it's... a uh, it's been it's been a wild ride. It's not what I expected my career to be when I was in college or high school, but uh, I I can't complain certainly. Wonderful. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned there is that 
you've moved into this wonderful world of teamfight tactics in recent years. Tell me about how you first got into TFT, where that sort of initial love came from. I mean, like most people who played League of Legends, they've at least tried TFT once or twice in their life. What sort of made it stick for you? Um, well, so I started the very first auto battle I played was auto chess, like the, the original auto chess. And I tried that a little bit and I'm like, oh, it's kind of fun. And then, uh, some friends at the Overwatch League, some other casters were playing Dota Underworlds or Underlords or whatever it was called. And, uh, so I was playing that a little bit and I was really enjoying it. And then Teamfight Tactics came out and I was like, oh, well, this is like that. Only it's the characters I actually know, you know, because my background League of Legends and Man, like after that came out, I think like everybody on the Overwatch League was just like playing TFT every chance they got. Like we have this kind of like talent room <laughs> back, you know, uh, in the in the arena. And so like when one casting pair wasn't casting, they were like sitting at these desks playing TFT and we were all talking about it and all that. So I, I got into it then and just like played a ton of it, uh, even back in set one. And then towards the end of set two, I had decided that was around the same time I decided to leave the Overwatch League. And uh, I was looking for uh, opportunities to cast TFT because I was like, I really like this game. You know, I, I want to give it a shot. And uh, Frodan, who I knew from uh, StarCraft II stuff way back when and just, you know, been a friend for a lot of years, uh, was casting a uh, TFT tournament for a company called Fandom and asked if I wanted to cast it with him. So I did. And uh, it was a ton of fun and been casting ever since. So, yeah, my first uh, my first tournament was set two. I can't believe we're already on like set six point five now. It's, it's wow. been a long time. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. Guys, I don't want to hog the uh spotlight here. I want the chance for all of us to sort of get in on the action. I'd I'd love it if uh, I I could open up the floor here a little bit and 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 chat to you, both of you as well, and especially Drowsy, our, our returning yes. guest. We had hello, you on hello. our <laughs> we had you on our set six preview episode after mm -hmm. all the first information dropped. I'd love to hear yep. your sort of we're now at the end of set six, start of 6.5. Um, how's this sort of set been for you? Are you, are you raring to go for 6.5? Uh, for 6.5, um, I'm pretty raring to go because during set six, um, I was trying to figure out my play style because like when they introduced augments, um, that actually changes like the game, like really like hugely. Right. It's like, you can um you can actually like first or like go first or like go bot four based on the augment you pick, and that took me a while to like realize like how like detrimental augments were, and um playing flex was like hot like you had to like choose the right augments like thrill the hunt was a safe augment for like a gin comp or something like that, and um so I was struggling a little bit but then I found out I found my identity a bit later, so I think a lot of you guys know that I play a lot of um. Assassins, a lot of talent, <laughs> a lot of Imperial, ah. but I think, yeah, they just realized Setix just made me like, made me realize I'm good at like reroll comps and like one tricking. So for six point five, I'm trying to play like more to my strengths this time, uh, like like more reroll comps such as Rexai actually reroll. So I'm keen, I'm keen to be a DGen, <laughs> as bad as hmm. that sounds. I'm keen to play more of those like two cost freestyle comps. Love it. Great to hear. We're so glad to have you back as well, Paolo. So thank you very thank much. You. So I want to come to you. Sure. You've played a game of live 6.5 today. 
Uh, that's some of us have. One whole game. <laughs> one whole game in One whole game. Really? It's not out here yet. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, here on, early. Down here in the Southern Hemisphere, we get a, we get a few things. And that, some of those things mostly involve the early release of Teamfight Tactics sets. So talk to me a little bit about That's your cool. initial games. I mean, everybody's everybody's playing, everybody's streaming. I played a few. I played a few. Yeah. Uh, uh, I played, so I played a bunch of uh, PvE, uh, like a lot of people did before the set came out. Um, this time around with PvE, I was uh, focused a lot more on just being a lot more experimental rather than just like trying to perfect the better comps. So uh, that what that looked like was I tried a lot of reroll specifically. Like I would just like pick random units, reroll them, and see how see how it went. Uh, I played like a little bit of flex, a little bit of fast day, but like I usually just like leave that to like the better players to figure out exactly what the board configurations look like. Because, yeah, I mean, with FlexComs especially, yeah. it's never, like, a rigid eight units. It's always, like, you know, three, four core units, and then the other four are usually tech units that you have to, like, play according to lobbies. And it's, like, meta-dependent as well, right? But basically, it's always saying, like, I spent most of my time just rerolling. And the one yes, game I played sorry. today, I rerolled Twitch. <laughs> I rerolled I Twitch with a bunch of innovators and got a second, uh, and it felt pretty good. <laughs> I bought a bunch of it's rerollers so on the podcast. What's going on here, man? Yeah, not not me, not me. <laughs> Thank you. I've uh, I've I haven't been much of a reroller since uh, the Star Guardians comp in set three. That's the last time I really oh, played a ton. That's so good. Yeah. It was. And... For full disclosure, I, I do typically play flex comps. It's yeah, just that, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. It Whatever start you off, say. I started this time off with, now. With, with, play, with playing real comps, though. Yeah, I believe you. I've seen your lol chess. I know wow. what you're really about. Yeah, if you look at my sex six, six raft, my most played unit was Yumi. So, you know, <laughs> that's how you know oh. I'm a flex player. That's... There you go. <laughs> I played one game of 6.5, but it was a Kate reroll. Don't, don't guys, don't try that. Don't try, don't try Kate don't play Kate. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I went eight. It's so bad. All right, we're going to get into the, the bulk discussion, and that is, of course, 6.5. It's a big yep. set, 6.5, mm. replacing a lot of units. I want to sort of open up with a question, and I'll start with you, Doa. What was the unit you were most looking forward to not coming back in 6.5? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. What did I look forward to not coming back in 6.5? Uh, it's probably a tie between... I mean, I use them almost every game too, but it's probably a tie between Janna and Yumi, I would say. Because it's... Uh, well, hmm. Yeah, okay, it's Janna, Yumi, or Kog'Maw, maybe. Because I hated that Kog'Maw reroll comp. I hated playing against it. Yep. It was boring to play. But Janna, Yumi were were great units, don't get me wrong, but, like, mm -hmm. they were they were a little bit too good. Like, it was a little bit trait-wise and ability-wise, you know, we, we saw it. Like, they were in almost every yeah, comp. And why wouldn't you put them in? They were that good, you know? So, I they were good units, but I'm kind of I'm glad they're gone. I think that was a good choice to take mm -hmm. those out. I concur entirely. Me personally, I was really looking forward to them removing Cho'Gath, and then they never did. So, more fool me. Well, yeah. <laughs> he's he's okay. He's okay. Yeah. Drowsy, talk Are to we... me a little bit about yes. something that you were interested in getting rid of. Um, I was interested in getting rid of. Well, actually, just like Jan and Yumi in like 
Cho'Gath, like Colossus, I think. But they only removed Cho'Gath, like they only removed um, Sion from Colossus because it was, it was kind of a big problem during set six. They had a lot of yeah. balancing issues during it, especially the Kaiser patch. Oh, yeah, I, I wanted Kaiser out for some reason because I, I didn't like that single patch. Um, because it was just the the Colossi were too tanky, and then Kaiser could just like kill like the most capped boards, like the like capped level of, like a three star four cost board. You can you can die to a Kaiser one, like during that patch. So I was looking forward mm -hmm. to Colossus removed, but also with Jan and Yumi. Um, I think I was like I was actually looking forward to them too, because um they provided a lot of like utility, um during that set. They replaced it with like Senna and stuff, but I just don't know how strong they are in terms of utility. Yeah, we talked She's quite good. a lot of, on this podcast about the transition out of Colossus and what we thought they would do. They didn't end up doing what what we sort of had predicted oh. that they might do in bringing in a lot more um, tank, like sort of higher cost tanks to replace them necessarily. But at the end of the day, I think. Um, so far, it, it doesn't look like things like Kaiser and Galio are going to be far too demanding, at least in the initial no. stages. Mm -hmm. uh, Sol, talk to me a little bit about your hopes. I mean, we've been on this podcast together for 15 mm -hmm. episodes now. Everybody knows that we hated, <laughs> we hated Colossus from, yeah. from the get-go. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not going to talk too much about Colossus. Everyone, all of you of the pod will already know how much I hate Colossus units, so that's fine. Um... I would have really liked to see, yeah, I would have really liked to see Cho'Gath replaced with a different tank, just because he feels really awkward to play. Like, he feels very polarizing. He's either unkillable or, like, he's very, very killable. Like, like uh, yeah, are they, like, either he has too many stacks or he doesn't have enough stacks, right? Like, either you got him from box, had him since, like, 2-1, he's, like, too big, or you didn't make him until, like, stage 3, and he's, like, not very tanky. Uh, I think other than that, mm, I mean, I'm I'm happy with the legendaries they decided to rotate out, but I think I would have liked to see some of the returning legendaries just, like, be a little bit, like, somewhat reworked in terms of, like, abilities. Um, like, Jinx is more or less the same, with, like, a slight change in the AI. Like, Jace is more or less the same. Like, a lot of, like, these legendaries that we've, like, Victor's the same. A lot of these legendaries that we've already played with are, like, more or less the exact same units. And... Yeah, I, I don't know like how big that actually is, but like I, I kind of would have liked to see some of that shaken up. Um, and I think other than that, I, I'm really really sad to see Jana Yumi go. They got me a lot of LP. <laughs> but but that probably everybody, had to happen. Everybody. So it, yeah. it's okay. It, it was necessary. They were a little good. Some merge. Yeah, let's um let's pivot now because we've got a lot of new units, and I'm sure that there are plenty that we can talk about for hours on end. I'm going to start with one that's already been mentioned, and that is Rek'Sai. Rek'Sai is a, a new mutant striker bruiser. Brilliant traits. I will say first off, before we get into anything, the traits on, on this unit are, are amazing. And a lot of you out there call Rek'Sai a he. Rek'Sai is canonically in the League of Legends lore a woman, so please, appropriate pronouns from now on. Rek'Sai, she. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, everybody. Drowsy, Rek'Sai, yes. talk to me a little bit about her. Um, Rek'Sai just, um, so the, the ultimate, the ability, um, it's kind of like Trundle, if that makes sense. 
like um, a little bit yeah so it deals like about 125 percent as i remember of her 80 of her 80 and it's still it's like trying to steal her tom talk talk armor and match resist so um at, at three stars it was like it's about like 60 percent armor and magic resist so you could just put her in front of a tank and then she gets she gets very tanky so there was a there was a there was a rex side reroll comp that i played a few times in pve oh man she was so unkillable if you had like bloodthirster like chandu items basically like bloodthirster <laughs> runan's hurricane I'm not saying she's a Trundle clone, but she's very similar. So you can play like a Bruiser comp similar to Trundle reroll. And it's very good. And also the fact that she has free traits. And these are very good traits. So like with flat AD, flat health, and mutant, like she gets so much bonus. It's nuts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, really interesting comparison to Trundle there. I think it's very apt as well. Mm. Um uh, I think one of the other things that makes Rek'Sai so good is those traits. The very, very strong early combination of Striker and Bruiser is is really, really good. There's a lot of um, a lot of early cost units that that make really nice pairs early on for strong early boards. Um, mm. Mutant may be less impactful overall in that aspect, but really, really, really strong, really interesting. I want to turn to you, Doa, now because you did a video recently where you discussed all of the new units a lot of the new traits um mm -hmm. and it was uh, absolutely fascinating really helpful you know i sent it around to a lot of people oh, who wanted to come in and learn the game a, a lot of friends of mine remarked back how helpful it was but i want to talk to you about Good. the big one the big unit silco coming to league of legends uh what are your opinions on silco's inclusion first of all we've talked a lot about how um, the inclusion of, of Silco is a, an interesting slope for TFT to, to fall into, but most importantly, how, how he feels as a unit. Uh, I, I think he's great. I, I think it's a really fun unit, honestly, and uh, I think it does a good job of being of, of bringing the, the lore of the Arcane show to life in that like he's, he's a team player, he's here to support you, but He's got like a sinister side to him and he's he's kind of a double-edged sword as someone to be associated with, you know, because he does give your team like massive buffs, right? Like with the mastermind giving a lot of mana to people in front of him, hugely helpful. Uh, and his ability gives you, you know, a lot of attack speed, gives you like a big buff as well, but it makes you explode after like eight seconds too. So you have to really be careful and manage your carries properly uh, so that you don't get to a situation where he's buffing your carry too early and then it blows up before it has a chance to end the game. Cause I think I've like, honestly, I've probably lost as many rounds as I've won because of Silco. So I, I think he's a really fascinating unit. Um, and I don't know how to use him just yet. I don't think anyone really is perfected using him and it's, it's going to be different every game, but he's going to be a fun unit to like learn about as the set goes on. So I, I really like it. I think it's cool that we have like, you know, our own special champion just for TFT and, and all that. And, and uh, he's he was a great choice. So yeah, it's it's cool. It'll be it'll be neat to see how the Silco plate evolves over the course of the set. Definitely, and it's really cool, really really cool that it's a legendary unit. I think as well um, as yeah. So you mentioned earlier, it's it's um it's nice when they when they mix up the legendaries. I think that 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 changes sure. the end of the game, and that's some of the most exciting portions of Teamfight Tactics is let's say stage five onwards that's one of the most exciting periods for a player for someone to watch for 
for people to get involved in. I want to talk about Renata Glask. I'm just going to say Renata from now on, and I'm going to bring this one over to Sol. We talked a little bit about it in the pre-show, actually. Doa, you were saying that you have uh, you used to play carry Renata on on um, the PBE quite a lot on stream. Uh, tell me a little bit about little bit. yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, I think it was Doa who was specifically talking about. Was it Doa who was specifically yeah. talking about like playing carry carry Renata? Mm. But like, oh, yeah. Uh, she yeah, so she, she started off being pretty good but... at the start of the set. Um, very re reminiscent of set four Morgana. Uh, in that she just needs a Morello, and then she just Morellos very very large clumps of units. This is very very like useful. Uh, like it's a lot of dot, right? But um, they did change it to where when she dies now the. The, the damage over time expires, like just disappears, it expires. Mm -hmm. Um, so that does significantly hurt her viability as a carry. I do think though she's still in a pretty solid spot in terms of just being general utility because she attack speed slows. Uh, that's always just gonna be like her cloud. Uh, I think it's like fifteen percent attack speed slows everything it hits. So that's like just always gonna be a really really useful a bit like effect to have access to, right? Um, and she sort of feels that void that Janna left behind in being that sort of four cost. Uh, flex scholar but uh, i don't know if we're gonna see too much renata comps um at least you know in the first patch uh she's still a solid unit for sure yeah totally yeah, agree. I, i'd agree it's hard because uh things change on the pbe so quickly that by the time you finish playing five very exciting action-packed build games on the pbe uh, maybe you go away for a couple of days you come back well all of a sudden half the units that where being changed. played on every board mm -hmm. that aren't getting played Everything's anymore. Different, which is good. I'm glad they. I'm glad they mm. do daily patches and tweaks. Like, what? What's the point of a PBE if they aren't uh, responding to the data that they get? So that is true. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a lot to keep track of, but uh, you know, I'd much rather have them do that than be like, uh, you know, a week of PBE and they're like, nah, everything's fine. Ship it. You know, it's. Uh, I think we actually have seen some pretty good results come out of PBE testing uh, in the in the past. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're very we're very lucky yeah. as a as a community to have such a responsive dev team as well. They're they're so they're so quick with a lot of changes, especially things that are brought to their attention. I mean I, I know for a fact that um any of the bugs that I had found playing on the PBE aren't live or weren't weren't prevalent in any in the games I played on live this morning which is very exciting and that's great news you know they do a really good job i want to um want to talk about another uh chemtech unit and that is trindamir a three cost ad reroll carry challenger smacks everybody with his big sword drowsy um yes. units like this you're a reroll player you love three costs yes. you love two cost yes, rerolls yes, 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 yes. you're a talent yes. main we'll, well maybe we'll come on we'll come on to debonair a little bit later but I want to mm -hmm. I want to ask a little bit about um, these kind of units. We don't see a we haven't seen a significant amount of them in a little while. No, uh, at least these these um, AD carries. We have seen them over the sets previously, and they all feel uh, fill different roles. We've got another one in Aurelia as well. I was wondering if you could sort of talk to me a little bit about what it's like to play these kind of auto attacking front line dashing around kind of attacking units. Yeah, so um, playing these kind of auto-attacking units such as uh, Warwick, Trindamir, um, I don't know, I think, I feel like you need some kind of sustain. Like, there's a point where um, you can position them and they just die, like, instantly, you know? So you need some, you need some kind of backup, like some tanky backup. 
I think when I played Warwick reroll, like Warwick reroll, um, on set six, so it was good for a bit, and then um later on it needs like some like some side utility, some side tank like tankiness such as um the Sandra, but the Sandra's gone. Like the Sandra was like Sandra, the Sandra was so useful for the Warwick comp because your Warwick was um like frontline eighty carries like these always get popped without like some kind of sustain. Hmm. Like I think um back in set four point five. Um, Slayers always had GA. If you if you guys remember yeah. that, they they always had some kind of GA and some Runons or something like that because they always just die like straight up. And um, but GA is gone as well. <laughs> GA is gone. The Sandra is gone. So yeah, it's generally very risky without like a just like a safety option, such as some. But they have BT. You can just put BT. That's what Bebe recommends for like. Oh yeah, usual carry for sure. Yeah, for, no. for sure. And like Quicksilver, it just yeah. So generally, these are these are generally um. Like if you don't have a sustain item, it's just riskier to play than like backline carries in general, in my opinion. Interesting. Or like free socialite, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? With the change to um, with the change to GA, I mean. Hmm. Now we have a, oh. another offensive item in the pool. Of course, it's it's um, Edge mm -hmm. of Night now, where if you go under sixty, well, under forty percent health, you temporarily get shrouded, and you lose all the crowd control effects affecting you, which is very interesting right. and a, and a really um, a really cool ad addition. I, I think um, in a lot of the discussions about why they got rid of Guardian Angel, they talked about that they just were never gonna. They wanted the units to be the units that they were without worrying about how the GA interaction would potentially make them far too strong for Yone. what they were. Yone being yeah. a prime example. Yeah. Even going back to or... set four Ophelios, for example. Set three yeah. gangplank. Ari, yeah. Ari, yeah. Ari yeah. Oh, set three Nico too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, I'm glad it's everybody. gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad GA's out. But it was like always it's... a weird one, right? It was always a weird item in the item pool, GA, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was really useful because, I mean, there were there were comps like the Star Guardians one, right, where you kind of needed it on Syndra during certain metas because your carry would get blown up yeah. often enough, you know. But if you look at this one, uh, if you look at Edge of Night, it, it basically functionally does exactly what GA did, which is take the heat off of your carry that's being attacked. And, uh, you know, there's not really a big, there's not really a difference in a practical sense between dying and coming back or losing aggro and dropping negative effects, you know? Mm. So it's, I, I, I like it because it's, it's a, a good way to do a similar thing without opening yourself up to all the issues. Like even like, you know, when Urgot, you know, would, or Kaiso would cast through oh, GA yeah. animation, like why do they get to, oh, and other yeah. champions don't, you know, oh, so it's so bad. Yeah, it's just it's just a good move, I think, to get rid of GA and and put in something mm -hmm. that does something functionally similar, but is less problematic for a design, you know, a design mm -hmm. team to have to worry about. Sure, agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's um, uh, it's it's cool that we get to experience a, a new, a new item style of play. I think that's really that's really beneficial for the the health of a set as well. Is not only the units that they put in and take out but of course the the items that we get as well they've changed them up several times over the last few sets especially with the radiant items the shadow items the nerfing and the buffing and the changing uh, ice cream cone springs to mind as one that's 
uh, or chalice, I suppose it should be called, uh, that was changed mm. a while ago. <laughs> um, I used to print mana in set three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. So these, are, these are some of the things that are very... Um, uh, a very exciting about TFT, and it's a big credit to the to the design team and and the team who um, come up with all of these ideas and and implement them. Doa, you were talking a, a little bit in the pre-show about an a rival podcast that that you run, the Team Fight Talk Show, where you had rival. Uh, you mean a, <laughs> a a friendly podcast from friendly. across the sea? You know, yeah, a friendly <laughs> rival from across the sea, exactly. Uh, and you were talking that you guys had some of the uh, designers uh, on previously. So I was wondering what that experience mm. was like, getting a chance to talk to um, to the people actually responsible for, for working on, on new sets and on the game. Oh, it's it's always great. I mean, we, we've had people, we've had a bunch of the, the TFT devs on there a bunch of times now. Uh, you know, Mort, Kent Wu, Static. Uh, you know, we had, we had Chloe and Linda on last week. And, and so it's... It's always a ton of fun to talk to devs about, you know, what their view is on the game because it's always a little bit different, of course, right? Because they're, you know, they're not just thinking about the game from what is the dreamland perfect competitive experience. It's more like what is going to make the game that's the most fun to play is at the end of the day, you know, the the goal of the developer or should be the goal of the developer, right? And if esports and that can go hand in hand, great. But uh, I think it's I think it's good to get that perspective sometimes too, where it's like sometimes in the esports we kind of think of ourselves as like or think of our space as like the most important thing to think about when you're designing a game, right? And that's that's not the case. You know, the most important thing is to make the game fun, right? And sometimes you have to have things in there that are are less great for the high high end competitive players, uh, but just better for the majority of players overall. So. I think that's an important perspective to get to, but it's it's also just a lot of fun to hear like stories of how a, a champion or a trait or an ability came to be, you know, or like some of the some of the bugs and things like that. Um, you know, I've gotten to do some of the internal play tests for some of the sets before they've come out, and uh, it's it's always funny to see like some of the bugs. Like there was one I played where I forget, which, I think it was before set four, if I remember right, but where like for some reason the volume of like Warwick's yelling was like. 200% higher than like everybody else. So everyone would be like normal sound. And then you'd be like, and you hear this like super loud Warwick. And uh, they'd be like, oh yeah, we haven't, uh, you know, because they import a lot of stuff from Summoner's Rift, right? So sometimes uh, it comes in, in in different states. So they hadn't yet uh, equalized Warwick's audio. So it's it's uh, it's fun to kind of like hear about that stuff and, and see it once in a while. So yeah, it's it's just it's just great, you know, and, and uh, it looks like a fun job. Uh, maybe I'll do it sometime, but it's always fun to talk to uh, to people who are currently in the trenches, you know, making the game. Brilliant! I love that. It's so it's so cool. Uh, it's so cool to be in, involved in. I mean, having uh, even just having the the PBE accessible to everybody is is such a nice um, touch as well. Yeah. Sort of making everybody feel a little bit closer to the the development side of the game. Uh, I mm -hmm. know that um, a lot of people don't use the PBE for the intended purpose, which is to report bugs <laughs> and, and talk about the game. Uh, but sometimes, guys, I will say this: set seven. If you see a bug, you got to report it. Okay, that's all I'll say from now on. If you see oh, a bug, don't, wor don't worry about that. <laughs> there's a lot of pros out there, like uh, doing just that. There's there's a Discord with pretty much all the pros in it, and uh, the devs are in it too. And and there's a lot of mm. there's daily, almost like minute by minute bug reporting that goes on there. Oh, oh, so yeah, 
Definitely, Impressive definitely do it. Okay. But the pros are also on top of it. it. <laughs> Especially, I got to shout out Leduck, uh, who is probably like, as I read through these threads that I read through every day, like he, that guy, like, finds more bugs and weird interactions than like anybody else. So he is doing great work there. Shout out Leduck. Well done. Thank you Crazy. very much for all your help. Let's um, yeah. let's stick with six point five. I mean, there are a lot of champions left <laughs> to cover. Soul, something that you're looking forward to. Something that I am looking forward to, just like a champion. A new unit, or... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Irelia. Uh, I mean, she's not like a new unit, right? Like she can't, she was in set three. I uh, I've played a little bit of Irelia, been having a lot of fun with her. Um, I'm, I haven't been able to do it yet, but I'm excited to see how she plays with, uh, Assassin's Spat. Because, oh. uh, if you, if you guys remember set 3, Infiltrator Irelia was, whew, was a menace. Oh, yeah. Uh, Every but, uh, but Infiltrator, but the big difference is Infiltrator scaled off of attack speed, not crit. Mm. So, it'll be very interesting to see how Assassin Irelia scales with, hmm. yeah, because, you know, it's interesting. Crit, not attack speed. But, uh, I haven't in seen general, her uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to Irelia. I've been having fun playing her. She's pretty fun. I find that we see spats a little bit less than we used to. And um, definitely less than set five, where you were given a lot of them through um, different, plenty of different means, and including sort of the lanterns in earlier sets as well. You saw a lot of spats. Definitely in set three, there was a much higher, before they nerfed the chance to get spatulas, you saw much more of them. So I feel unless you get them from augments, which is uh, something that we'll move on to, it's it's actually a little bit harder to to pick up spatulas uh, consistently now. But yeah, Aurelia, it's great to see Aurelia back. Um, loved cybernetic Aurelia. I think it was very interesting. Very cool mm -hmm. unit. So it's cool to see it back. We have 80 plus new augments. This is not the kind oh of show God. where we go through all of them. But I will Thank say... <laughs> I will say that, uh, especially for our, for our overseas guests, who it's already later into the evening, <laughs> um, we do not go through all of them. However, it is going to be a little bit of a discussion that I want to have here with all of you, because I feel like it took them a little while in set six to get their their ideas around exactly what they wanted out of augments. And, and Doa, I'll come to you here. Uh, about hmm. the augments um there are a lot of changes you don't have to name specific names but is it a step in the right direction you think with some of the changes that you've seen on the pbe uh yeah i mean the thing is most of the augment changes were just taking out the ones that dealt with the old traits that went away like academy and imperial and all that um but there are some there are some really fun new ones um and it's it does what it should right where it's not like it's it's basically takes a system that I think was already working really well in augments and uh, just adds to it, you know. So there's stuff like um, what's it called, blue battery now, where every basically everyone on the team gets like a little mini blue buff, where I think you get like ten man at the start of each fight or something like that. Um, there's one where you can just get a couple extra orbs. There's so there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff. Um, I don't have a list in front of me, but I've been enjoying you know going through it and trying different things. Uh, Discombobulator. I just played a game with that right before this podcast. Podcast and like it. Uh, it didn't do it. Didn't do great, but uh, it was fun to try out. At least I got a free Jinx like super early. Um, but I what I what I learned. We were talking about this before the podcast. Like I'm definitely gonna have to like three star some Yordles and then hope for it, and then maybe get lucky and get some like uh, three star uh, you know two costs or something like that. You know, 
or three star four costs, I guess, if you can get like a turn a three star Vex into something, you know? So I think there's a lot of fun possibilities there. And, you know, I always think about it from the esports perspective a little bit too, where like, what do I want to see, you know, at Worlds and all that? And, and uh, I think games like that would be, would be really fun. So, yeah, I think, you know, talk about systems that make the game fun. Uh, I think the augment system is great for that. It makes the game feel like more of a journey each time rather than just trying to like hammer out a build that you feel is going to be good, you know, and like, did I hit, did I not hit? So I, I, mm. I've always enjoyed TFT the most when I am able to play it flexibly, you know, and make a lot of decisions like in the moment. And the augment system, I think, continues to be like the best version of that. So I, I've been really happy with it on PvE. Yeah, fantastic. Drowsy, your um your thoughts on some of the on the augment changes in general? Oh, so um I think the new augments are really cool. The, I feel like the, there's more fun augments this time around. Especially the gold ones. I've seen a lot of fun <laughs> stuff. So speaking from those um discombobulator, recombobulator, or mm. something like that. It's um yeah. I saw uh, one of our friends, Viagra, he he was playing Yodels or something, and then he, he got this free star free cost. I forgot what it was. I, forgot, I think it was a Vex. I, I don't know. It was a, it was a free cost. And then he, he, he did the combobulator thingy and he got a free star seraphine. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, oh my God. So I, I was like, there's so much possibilities. I think one thing I was thinking of was like, oh, just open fort until like um, four or five, like four or five um, um, augments. Like there's just free, like just get free star every single free cost you can. Get over two hundred gold and then recombobulate it. So it's like there's a lot of wild forts, and um, those it, it's it's pretty it's pretty risky. Don't don't do it. I'll I'll probably try it one time, but I I, I don't know if it'll go great. But there's like one more that was really cool. I think it was um tiny titans. Oh yeah, yeah. It's cool. it was crazy. Like it sounds broken. Well, it's probably not broken, but like it, it, your tactician goes thirty five health. And so um, you can get 135 maximum health. That's actually, that's actually quite cool. So it saves you, like, let's say your thing's, like, eighth, like, like, like your position's, like, screwed up, like, you don't have the right items, your synergies are not that great. You can probably just get a bleed out to top four angle if you just choose Tiny Titans. There's more avenues to, like, save your game. Yeah. I'm looking at the... I'm looking at the augments again, and there's like a lot of fun variations on other ones. Like mm. they have like cybernetic uplink, which is 250 health and restore three mana per second. There's cybernetic shell, which is 250 health and 45 armor. So there's there's neat like situational ones mm. too that uh, are just like more uh, just it gives you more choice to target specific things on your team you want to buff, which is kind of cool. Yes, true. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... We've got a lot of uh, a lot of augments, so one of the things that really interests uh, really interested the two of us, I know from speaking to one another, was how they've kind of looked to prioritize agency in on your board a little bit more, as opposed to things sort of more out of your control, giving you less emblems, looking for more fight power, immediate power on your board, uh, things that buff up your. Um, traits your units things like that I, I was wondering what your thoughts are about that sort of that shift towards more um more control over your board strength yeah uh i've been liking that a lot um there are i mean i could be wrong but there are a lot less more augments a lot less like trait based trait reliant augments 
um compared to set six there's like a lot there's a few for example like some of them the strings line like there's like the striker one where all your strikers like stun first time you like when they hit the enemy it was they stun when they hit them or when they crit them or something um and then there's probably a few other ones but like there are a lot more of those ones in set six like there's like payday awful one uh, what is a cram session? Like all these, like uh, very very specific trait uh, augments that like require you to sort of tunnel in pretty hard on that specific like vertical. Um, I like that. Like yeah, I like that. There's a bigger focus on sort of generic, uh, generically good augments that um mm -hmm. are just you know good for your board. Um, I also like a lot that um that a decent amount of them do still semi commit you to a certain style of play. Um, so, like, like they can't, like, just be purely generic, right? Like, like they can't all just be, like, item grab bags that give you a bunch of items. But, um, stuff like, like, for example, like, Phalanx, I'm encouraging you to play around, like, I think, I think Phalanx is the one where, uh, everything in the backline has more, like, resistances. Like, it's, like, 30 or something armor for everything in the background, backline. So it's almost like a yeah. reverse makeshift armor. Yeah. Mm. And there's stuff like Backfoot, which, you know, encourages you to play around the treasure backline comp. There's Battle Mage, which I don't think anyone's figured out yet. That's the one where uh, front two rows, you get a bunch of extra AP. Um, but, I, I mean, I like the inclusion of a lot of stuff. Like, Knife's Edge was really the only sort of positional-related ones in set six. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a lot of more augments in that sort of range. And... Yeah. And I really oh, and one one separate note, I I really like the uh, the egg prismatic. That one's pretty fun. Oh, <laughs> that one. <laughs> that mean right. I haven't gotten that one yet. Yeah. I I've really it's been like waiting, but I've not had that one pop up yet. No, I haven't. I, I haven't gotten it yet. I've seen it hatch a lot. But yeah. I see. I haven't got the one that gives you a second copy of a unit as well. Whatever that. Double, oh, trouble. Double, trouble, double trouble. Yeah. That one's pretty fun. That's, that, me. that one's really interesting. There's lots of like. For instance, I, I just had a situation today where I had, like, a two-star brand and then another one-star brand that was, like, the VIP for Debonair. So, I like, I had both of them in, oh. and they were just, like, stunning everybody nonstop. Dude. It almost felt like Dark Blue Buff Rise again. Like, and I'm like, yeah. if this was, like, a <laughs> double trouble game, if this was a double trouble game, it would be just insane, right? So, I think, I think that augment specifically could lead to some really, really fun games. Um, yeah, I think like some of the there's some traits that I remember that they're that these were really cool. They're like they benefit from the single trait as they were the units. Like um, I think free healthcare is it's really cool. I think it makes it, it allows a lot of creativity to flex your comp. It's like free healthcare gives you like chemtech trait to like non chemtech mm -hmm. units. Mm -hmm. It's it's super cool. So it allows for like um more flexibility. There's a boy. similar one with um, Hextech, I think, as well, right? And Challenger, too. There's yeah. one that gives the mm. Challenger buff to non-Challenger units, Oof. which is really fun. Very cool. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about these new um, these new uh, sort of unit types that we've got coming in. A big one, Hextech. We've got Debonair, who will be joining us as well. I want to go to Drowsy because Drowsy is a Talon player. Talon has been reclassified yes. as a Debonair. I sort of want you mm -hmm. to, um, uh, before you come onto onto uh, your Talon lifestyle, I'd love to hear a little bit about Debonair. So, uh, it is replacing a a vertical style trait, mm. so I, I'd love yes. to sort of hear about it. Uh, so De if you guys don't know what Debonair is, um, so all the Debonair champions, um, they gain bonus health and ability power, but 
there's also something called the VIP. So um, when they when you play this VIP, they activate the unique vote bonus that's available for VIPs. So let's say for Talon, the VIP Talon, um, he doesn't just do um, like bleed, like magic bleed damage. He does true damage, and it lasts it lasts longer. So typically it lasts seven seconds, but now um, for VIP Talon, it lasts a hundred dollars, not hundred dollars, a hundred percent longer. So, but I'll thing is, I'll take hundred dollars. If you put hundred dollars into down, the sure. game, <laughs> I, I'm down. But anyway. But um, it's not exactly like Chosen's. The thing is, um, when you choose it, it's not like an instant two star. That's a bit too broken. It's, it's like a glowing. It's like a glowing green thing. It just you get to, you get a one star copy of it. So when you when you want to play Debonairs, um, when you want to when you want to reroll talent or something like that, um, you want the VIP unit first. You don't want to put items on the on the playing unit, or else you have to chase three stars. If that makes sense. Mm. So there's a lot of challenge to to go with debonairs. Interesting. It seems that we're seeing a lot of different reroll compositions for debonairs at the moment. Uh, we're seeing people play Brand. We're seeing people play Syndra. Mm. We're seeing people play Talon. And then of course we've got the two big units, two of which we haven't discussed yet, and that is the return of Draven. Uh, Draven, oh, of yeah. course, uh, a feature in in previous sets. Um, We've got a couple more AD carries than we had the last set, I think it's fair to say, or definitely at the very least um, uh, a few more options for our AD carries instead of playing uh, Yone or Jin every game. Now Jin's got some backline friends like Draven. Uh, Doa Zeri is a hey. new unit and a very new... What about Urgot? Uh, oh, yeah, well... Urgot, yeah. Urgot well, was, was, was a second row carry, if anything, really, I think. Yeah, well, he's more like Draven then, Yeah, he's right? a bit more like Draven. Unless you get VIP Draven. That's true. Yeah, VIP Draven can be in the back line. Yeah. Well, I've I haven't had very much luck with Draven yet, but I've never been a big Aww. AD player. I've always been more of an AP player, but I've gotten blown up by Draven like a lot of times on PvE. So he's he's definitely strong. That's for Broken. sure. If you get I the the thing is is like I don't know if you can run Draven unless you get the VIP version of it. You know, and like sometimes there's a lot of games where like mm. I'll see a VIP Draven. And I just don't have the board to support that. I'm like, oh, I would love to play this, but it would require too much of a of a you know pivot to be able to do it. So, so that's where Draven is not, I think, the greatest in my opinion. Is that like if you don't see him VIP, you're just not going to buy him. I think most games. So, uh, so I don't know what you do about that, but uh, VIP Draven is certainly very strong right now. One of the um, one of the things that come out with a new tft set usually is that we get one of the newest league of legends champions who also are dropped into our games and la we've had the uh, things like akshan in previous sets who i had never heard of vex who i'd never heard of before because we're not i'm not at least a league of legends player so you get to learn about these league of legends characters the newest one right zeri zeri a five cost backline lightning throwing attack damage maybe even ability power debonair sniper unit has anybody got a chance to play or test with zeri yet how does um how does it feel to have another five costs kind of running around the board carry a little bit akin to, to kaisa um i've played a good amount of games with zarian and honestly she was kind of on the weaker side at first uh the first like week of pve she just it it didn't really seem to matter what you built on her she just didn't do damage quick enough basically mm -hmm. 
and she'd avoid a lot. She'd like run around and she'd take a long time to die, but she just didn't kill the other board. Um, I think now she's she's definitely in a much better space. And it seems like a lot of people are building AD on her, but I think there might be some opportunities to go some like I don't think a death cap would be bad on her. Um, but still a lot of experimentation needs to be required. But she definitely seems stronger now. Like there was a while where like for a few days I would just avoid her completely. Like I she was basically like a dead spot in my shop, you know. But now, like after today, I might start picking Zeri up a little bit more often and trying her again. Interesting to have a sniper unit that runs around the board and ruins its sniper buff. I find that a very interesting design choice. For yeah. Overall. Well, I don't know what's going on. It's, I mean, like it's it's not it's not that bad because she she generally stays away from most people. And remember, it's like you get damage per hex. So even if she's not completely on the other side of the board, she's still like a few hexes away. So that's still a decent percentage mm. damage buff. So I think it's still I think it's okay. It's it might feel weird, but if you really think about it, like if you think about the math, like it's not that bad. She's not losing that much damage. At least she's really. not going to like the middle of the board. She's like yeah, she's not like Samira yeah, yeah. or something it, like that. Like five star yeah. Samira back in the day, yeah. Five cost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same with Jinx. Um, very interesting. Uh, I think um, that we have a very interesting new format upon us. And that is going to be, I think, impartially defined by a big new trait that they've included, Hextech. It has a lot of very interesting new units, most of which we haven't even covered yet. And that's because there's just so much new stuff, guys. We can't do it all. Uh, they're basically all new units. Nothing's been reclassified as far as I can remember off the top of my head right now. But we do have some return of some old favorites in Lucian, in Siva from previous sets, who I'm sure you will all remember. And we have a, a new arrival in Alistair, the replacement Colossus for Scion. I was wondering what uh, your guys' thoughts. We'll go to Drowsy on this one on um, Hextech have been so far. Um, honestly, I've I played a bit of Hextech, but not, not enough. But um, Silver Bell's very strong. Like Silver, Sejuani, um feels very strong. Jarvan's cool. Jarvan's cool. It reminds me of the good old... Um, Set three times, but it's not as broken as like Darkstar Jarvin, you know what I'm saying? And mm. but Alistar is really cool as well. I think it's really cool because it's it's first, it's Alistar's first um set. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, same so for Corky. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, same for Corky. Yes. So I'm not too, like I'm not too familiar with the Hextech thing, but the few games I played, they felt really good. And Siver is like um Siver's a four cost now. Like she had the she has the same thing as the like free cost Siver like roughly, but now she has Ricochet. I don't know. It just feels. I feel like if you play all of these in like a vertical chase trait, it feels very strong. Yeah, totally agree. I think uh, one of the things that makes Alistair so interesting is that uh, a lot of the units that you will now be seeing, uh, a lot of which are attack damage focused, there are still plenty of AP related comps available to you, and we'll get onto one in a little bit. Uh, they all stand still, and uh, Draven is one of those, especially if he's debonair. He doesn't move anywhere. He can't go anywhere at all. Uh, and that means that Alistair gets a big knock-up on, on your attack damage unit. So I think it's a really mm. in a really um, interesting addition to the game that, that plays around a lot of what I think we can anticipate to be a, a, very, in a very strong AD-focused game for the, for the foreseeable future.
of course there is another mm. ap carry and that is ari ari is back soul talk to me a little bit about mm -hmm. ari she's in a different form this time uh but yeah, she is still an arcanist yeah um she's, she's kind of weird because um she doesn't really scale too well with being an arcanist um she's an arcanist syndicate for those who don't know uh mm. the way i've seen people typically play her is in her actual like vertical um you typically play five syndicates and ideally aim for seven uh, the weird part about Ari is that she doesn't really scale with damage so much as she scales mm. more with frontline. Uh, the way her spell works, it's it's basically her Q, except um, she'll fire an extra Q for every instance of it. Um, so it eventually spreads out into like a really really big cone. Um, and it can hit the backline if you put. I think Ari from the third or second row, um, you'll be able to hit backline. But if you put Ari in like you know your fourth row, you won't be able to. You like it'll be pretty hard for you to hit backline. Basically, is the way it works. Um, and then yeah, so the way I've typically seen Ari be um, successful is um, you play around. Uh, you play around a lot of syndicates. You play around Morgana as your main tank, uh, and then you just use Morgana to stall a lot for Ari, and, and Ari ramps up over time. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree. I think Ari just needs like she just needs time, you know. Yeah, you can you can build crit build on her, which accelerates the damage a lot. Um, just in terms of, like her first orb already is doing a lot. Um, but yeah, if you don't have a front line and give her time to like build up to those other orbs, then she just gets destroyed. Like playing Ari is either you destroy their board or they totally destroy your board. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of in between when you're playing it. So it's one of those things where it's like. If you have what you need to make it work well, go for it. But if you don't at all, do not play it because you will die so fast. So she's a very all or nothing kind of hero. Mm. For sure. Yeah. And it's nice to have that. It's nice to have a um uh, a ticking time bomb, as you have, if you will. I think um one of the big parts that made syndicates themselves so not necessarily overpowered, but frustrating to play against, was the second that you got your Akali in the late game, where you powered up your Shaco with a bunch of items. Insta Once you got spy. the Syndicate online, yeah. uh, it was basically impossible to kill that unit. Where right now, if you can get to the Ari, maybe you can maybe you can actually maybe take it out, because it's not going to heal all its health back in, in one hit or anything like that. So they have mm. added a certain amount of counterplay to the Syndicate model that I think a lot of people would have been very frustrated with in set 6. Uh, but it remains to be seen how strong that Ari is actually going to be right now. I, she's probably in a pretty good place, but we'll have to wait and see until everybody gets uh, uh, their hands on more live games. I mean, between the mm. the three of us with the with the actual thing out, uh, with the actual thing out on live, we played four games. So right now we're not we're not the uh, the messiahs of six point five knowledge. But <laughs> come back to us in a week or two and and. We'll have plenty I've of played, comps and things. I've to played play. two games and I went eighth, as monkeys point out. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. It's a that's rough start. I I really don't know how I'm gonna do uh, once PVE is is uh, well tomorrow because it's like uh, in the US it's not released yet. We get it tomorrow morning, but because uh, I've just part of PVE is I just experiment so much. You know, like I don't really play it. I don't try hard mm -hmm. on PVE. So when it comes to actually jumping the ladder, sometimes there's that phase where you're like, oh yeah, now I have to actually like not make dumb decisions just to try things out. I have to like do that on an alt account now, you know? Yeah. So I'll have to I'll have to go through that uh that process again, you know. Real. For sure. Yeah. All right. Guys, I think that's all um, the champions, right? Yeah, we've pretty much gone through absolutely everything. <laughs> I think we actually managed to get through most of them. Oh my yeah. god. 
It's a pretty good well, effort, right. I would say so myself. Impressive. Um, guys, look, when it comes to this episode, if you're, if you're listening to this uh, a couple of days later, a lot of this information about what may be very good or what may be very bad um, is up to chance, really, at the moment. It's a lot of our experience from PBE. But we've en entered the part of the show where we go to questions from our audience. So if you are listening live on Twitch, that means you can ask questions in the chat. Uh, feel free to to ask questions. Or if you're listening on the on the audio version or on the YouTube, we stream this twitch.tv slash cutler. That's with a three instead of the E. I'm going to hand it over to my very capable co-host, Sol, who is our question facilitator. So guys, if you've got any questions in the chat, could be for Drowsy, could be for Doa, could be for us, could be for anybody about 6.5, about set six, maybe not about anything but uh, you know keep it tft related please uh, otherwise we'll go on to some of the ones that were submitted early i was oh, just yes, on the other on... monitor building a cipher board sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> there you good um yeah so some of these questions are going to be uh aimed at Zola, obviously uh being our most esteemed guests and we've had drowsy already on the pod anyway so uh, i guess the i guess i'll yeah focus on the sorry ones drowsy for... <laughs> i'm out i'll focus for the ones i'll focus on the ones that, uh, for dollar first so anyway um, thanks very much so... drowsy for joining the episode it's been... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i think I, I quite like this one a lot um so in contrast to league of legends right the highest the sort of most hype moments of sort of brilliance in tft um tend to be a lot more subtle they're not as flashy i would say uh, in comparison um yeah. sort of how does that affect um how you actually cast it um during an event um i think it's you have to really you have to really be aware of of how to how to express something like that you know um because you can't I've I've heard people sometimes casting TFT rounds as if they were casting a team fight in League of Legends, and and I don't agree with that because it's not <laughs> a human being controlling yeah. those champions, so it feels a bit disingenuous. But I think so. I think uh, in that case, what you need to do is during the actual fights, you need to hype up the big unexpected moments, the interactions that you you know are not ready or you not you don't normally see, or uh, you talk about you know a great zephyr a great shroud you know some of those last minute pivots or little board changes that makes a big difference and then um during the actual like eco phase during the buy phase you have to really be good about pinpointing you know what specific things uh are relevant to talk about and the thing is is T tft at the end of the day like it's just a lower key game you know it's it's uh it's not the big uh tft is never going to be like the big arena filling game that like league of legends is or something like that you know and then that's okay that's not that's not a problem with tft right because like imagine people like filling imagine sixty thousand people in an arena to watch chess right it just feels it feels a bit strange <laughs> right and it's it's yeah. not because chess is an undeserving game it's a great game it's just it's not that kind of game it's not the game where you jump up and down and cheer for right so I think there's there's definitely big hype moments in TFT, uh, but it does generally, unless something totally wild happens, which it does happen once in a while, I think generally it, it needs to be a little bit more more subtle, um, and it just operates better that way, you know? Because a lot of people who watch competitive TFT watch it to learn uh, rather yeah. than just to be entertained, and so I think that has to be a big part of the broadcast too. But 
TFT casting is still something that's like very much in development and in flux. So I can't say mm. one way or another is like the right way or the wrong way to cast TFT because it's it's still pretty new, you know. So we're still figuring it out. Sure. I think as we go along, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still only been like what two years? I think are we entering little... our third year now? We're in our third year, I think. Yeah, almost. I want to say we're only oh. just entering our third year. So I mean, yeah, the game almost. is still quite young, and it, it already feels like. Yeah, it already feels like we've come so far, right? No, <laughs> but it is still only the third year. Um, so yeah, that's pretty. It's for sure pretty interesting. Um, cool. I got so this one's this is the other one. That's for dollar. So, uh, for somebody who's sort of for anybody like basically yeah for anybody out there who's like interested in becoming like a a caster, what are like the tips that you can give sort of novices um, that you know they can take away from someone you know who's extremely experienced like you are in the scene? Uh, I think the number one thing I always say is to just and it sounds cliche but it's just to go and do it you know just just go make content like if you want to be a caster don't wait for somebody to give you an opportunity to cast like. Uh, go record your own commentary over, you know, VODs or over replays, right? Uh, and, and then submit them somewhere and ask them for feedback, right? Um, you know, find little local tournaments that are looking for casters, um, you know, and don't expect to get paid right away, you know, because it's everyone's got to start somewhere, right? So I, I mean, I did it for like, you know, I mean, I got, I, things went very quickly for me, but there were still like six months where I didn't get paid to do casting, you know, it's, it's just... How it is at the beginning it's even longer for most people now you know um mm -hmm. so while you're doing those things while you're making content and you're you know doing those smaller events uh you're you're doing two crucial things the first thing is that you are practicing which means you're going to be getting better because nobody starts out good at this i sucked when i started you know like everybody does <laughs> and i got better because i did a lot uh the other thing that you get from just doing it is you show prospective employers that you are ambitious and that you are working on improving, right? Um, because if you've got two people uh, and they're both trying to get this casting job and you go back and look at what they've done, I'm 100% going to hire the person who has been putting out content consistency, consistently for like months, if not years, you know, mm -hmm. and shows like progressive rather a progression as a, as a, you know, as a caster rather than someone who's like, oh, I have a good voice. So therefore I deserve this. You know, uh, you don't mm -hmm. deserve anything. Right. You got to work for it. So uh, that's so I, I think honestly, just getting out there and, and doing it, creating opportunities for yourself is is the best thing you can do. You know, awesome. <laughs> All right. That's so good to hear. Well, uh, Oh, um, all right. Got a few more generic. Got a few more sort of more generic ones, I guess. Um, I guess this one can just be sort of towards anybody. Um, so the hype for a mid set is often at its peak during the early days of PVE, uh, and then it sort of tends to peter out for like you know the the following week, right? Um, do you think that there's a future where sort of Riot releases the PVE content only a couple of days before the live experience, rather than the current standard sort of two weeks? No, I, I don't think so. No. It defeats the purpose, doesn't it? I think so too. Mm -hmm. But yeah. mm -hmm. I feel like um it needs a lot of uh fine-tuning. Like there's a lot of broken stuff like the first day and it needs a few like like more than like three days to like even those out before it's ready for live. Yeah. There's an interesting discussion that Mort had uh on one of his AMAs or one of his streams where he talked about the desire to get pro players in really early on the setup of a of a tft set 
basically so that they could have the set popularized mm. or, or ready to go from a really early place this is why i thought this was really interesting they they more talked about like having a lot of the pro players come in really early get their thoughts and then get the game to a really polished state where they could actually release it without an extremely long pbe experience i think what makes the pbe so fun is that it's so wild it doesn't yeah. uh it doesn't yeah. have to be uh doesn't have to be mm. a perfectly fine-tuned piece of content because you're not you're not going there to climb ranks or chase high elo or to overtly mm. improve your lp you're going there to sort of mess around and, and learn some new stuff so and yeah and i mean most players don't play pbe too so for mm. as far as like the hype goes you're still going to get like a bigger wave of hype when it actually launches right because that's when like you know yeah. i i bet you like maybe 10 percent of players play pve you know it's it's uh, i would be shocked if it was more than that you know most players the vast majority of the millions of people that play tft are just casual players that play it on their phone or they log in for a couple of games after work or like a game during lunch or something you know so uh most of those players have never seen any of the stuff in uh the set or the mid set before the actual live launch yeah, so, i feel like set yeah. six's launch was like like to the to like the public servers it was actually pretty huge like all my friends were talking about set six more than like pbe in my opinion yeah like, yeah yeah for sure yeah. i was talking to like a good friend of mine who is a fellow caster and he was like oh is there new tft stuff coming out and i'm like yeah yeah 6.5 comes out and he's like oh the last time i played they had these things called shadow items in the game and i'm like <laughs> oh dude you gotta come back now it's way better <laughs> so things are different now you know but but that's like that's representative of your of your casual tft player they might take a, mm -hmm. a set or two off even you know um so yeah i think uh, i think the pbe cycle is is probably just fine you know those of us who are interested in it are going to be in there giving feedback and like the casual fans don't need to be you know so yeah so i think we might just do one more question because i do know you need to be heading off soon door um so this one's from the chat from my good friend biagra uh so this the basic question is essentially the thoughts thoughts on a, like the need to sort of have a sort of specific i mean the question is framed around tft but it can be any a uh, specific rank to be able to sort of analyze and comment on a broadcast um, because mm. we know that Mort recently did a, a dev blog on you know why players shouldn't expect their designers to be very high ranked in the games that they balance right um how does this mm. parallel in the casting world uh it depends on the game i think it's a case-by-case -case basis uh if you look at we can take two games in the same client for this example we can look at league of legends in which um i don't think I think you could be uh, a top analyst in the game and have never, literally never played a game of League of Legends. Uh, because if you think about it, your playing experience in League of Legends will never be anywhere remotely close to what you see the pros experiencing. Like, unless you are a pro who has retired to become an analyst, right? Even if you get to like the highest ranks of challenger on the ladder in League of Legends and Summoner's Rift, you will still be playing games that are nowhere near what you're going to be seeing in the LCS or the LCK, right? So that's a game where playing it yourself, I don't think does a whole lot of good from the ca uh, caster side of things. Um, I think it's I think it's still good to play a little bit. You know, I mean, for me as a play-by-play -play caster, I would play because I think it's good to be able to 
have the same feelings as the player base and like be able to relate those experiences to what you're seeing in game where it's like somebody hooks you over the wall you're like you you know how that feels and that can come through in your casting you know better so i think there is a reason to play but uh, at the end of the day you don't need it that much whereas tft i think is uh, kind of on the other side whereas a caster you because what you're talking about a lot of times in tft is what the player is probably thinking about in terms of what changes they may want to make for their board what they're looking for what they're worried about their opponent doing and i think a lot of that um is gained from playing the game at a high level and i think it's unreasonable to expect casters to be like challenger level players for the most part because a lot of us don't have time to play that many games frankly mm. um i know i don't uh and so it I think you can you can learn then from a combination of being good enough at the game to know a lot of the core concepts, you know, being like high diamond, low masters, and then also interacting with professional players to review your casting or to ask some questions. Because at that point, you have access to those people, you know, so they can kind of fill in those gaps and, and that's worked pretty well. But it's a game, I think, that you do need to have a pretty high level uh, to, to be able to cast well, for sure. So it, it, to lo- the short answer is it depends on the game, you know? Um, yeah, yep. it's every game is different. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely does. Yeah, it definitely does sound like like for games like TFT that are a lot more sort of just math heavy. They just have more numbers involved that are just sort of more, and then just have a lot more sort of more subtle, less flashy interactions. Uh, you definitely need to like play play the game. But then mm-hmm. for things like as you mentioned, right, things like League, where you will never be able to emulate that level of coordination. Like you know, in a team, uh, you know the level yeah. of the mechanics that are on display, right? Like with that, you more you don't actually necessarily need to play the game a lot. You just need to sort of watch the game and actually talk to people and understand how it works. Yep. All right. I think that's all the questions I've got. Um, again, yeah, on behalf of the pod, on the co- behalf of the world on podcast, really appreciate you coming on. I uh, really appreciate uh, Drowsy as well for coming on. My and, pleasure. Uh, yeah. Thank I'll you. let Bodhi close us out. Guys, I mean, what a special episode it's been. I really hope that if you're listening to this uh, on the live, you've learned a little bit about some of our thoughts going into set 6.5. It's going to be a big set for us personally here at the Roll Down Podcast. And I mean, we're kicking it off with a pretty special bang here, having our first international mm-hmm. guest and, and someone with uh, with such great pedigree come to join us. Doa, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real treat. Hey, my pleasure. It, it was a ton of fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you so um, much. Drowsy Sword, yes. our returning yes. guest. We're going to get you on for the start of every set. I think it's going to become a recurring oh, theme. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm down. I don't want anybody else on these podcasts for the start of sets Aww. except you. Uh, and that's all Aww. I have to say. It's been a real treat to have you as well. Thank you so much, guys. See you in set seven. See you for oh, set seven. <laughs> Guys, look, right. if you're listening to this uh, on the audio stream, you can catch us uh, Tuesday nights in Australia or sometimes uh, if we have overseas guests, it might be Wednesday lunchtime like it was today. Uh, and you can find myself at Twitter uh, at CutlerTFT. Uh, Soul is Soul underscore TFT on Twitch. And uh, Doa, just a final shout out for you. Where where can people find you if they if they aren't familiar with your work? Um, just uh, GG Doa on Twitter and GG Doa on Twitch are the two best places. Jazzy Sword, your final words. Yes. Where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitch on Twitch TV. Um, under no, not underscore slash drowsy sword with an O with a zero instead of the O, and lowercase D. Same thing for Twitter. It's the same. It's the same username. So find me there. All right, guys. Well, this has been episode fifteen of the Roll Down podcast. Stay tuned for the post show where we reveal who is going to be on next week. Until that time, my name is Cutler, and for Soul Drowsy and Doa, thank you very much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.